What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, November 18th, 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside that nerdy sights, Trevor Starkey. Thank you for having me, Greg. Thank you for coming in, Trev. Good to see you. You as well. Been too long. It has. It's been a couple years since I've been out here. I was going to say, when's the last time you were on camera on a kind of funny product? Uh, was it, it was, your Gamescast? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, my Gamescast I did, yeah, that was back in the spare bedroom days. Right? 2015, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gamescast 21, if you want to go there back go, and listen to it. Back we on. talk about Vita Essentials. Uh, and we're like, it'll never die. Yeah, right. <laughs> this thing will be here forever. Uh, but the last time I was uh, out here and on camera was uh, I, I made a cameo on The Morning Show ah. uh, back when I I was out here for IGN's 20th anniversary. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I, had well, the, I still had the longer hair at the time yeah. and everything. But yeah, it's been been a couple years. And then I kind of took uh, a nice long break of not creating anything. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, a few weeks ago, I was like, well, a few months ago, I was like, I want to get back into creating stuff. And uh, and so a couple weeks ago, we launched That Nerdy Site. And that's why you're here. Tell me what That Nerdy Site's all about. That Nerdy Site is a home for podcasts, video, and written content for all of the uh, nerdy things we love. Um uh, I did Trevor Trove for uh, many years, um, kind of going it alone, and I looked around at people like OK Beast and Irrational Passions. Sure. And, uh, Clowns, and both, both groups. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Blessing oh, Alex O'Neill. Uh, Here's O'Neil. a selfie. This is all I post. Do something. <laughs> I love Persona 4 Gold. Right? He just leans on all, all right. of the people he works all right. with. <laughs> all right. <laughs> let's, let's be kind to the community, guys. Uh, no. I, uh, I haven't and, watched and lately. So, <laughs> <laughs> very fair. I, uh, I've been looking at them recently. Uh, the, the analog I've been making was uh, I kind of look at them as like the Fantastic Four and the X-Men sure. of the, uh, the kind of funny community in terms of uh, the, the content creators out there. And so I decided uh, uh, to kind of create the Avengers uh, okay. where um, I didn't want to go it alone with Trevor Trove anymore, so that nerdy site, um, I kind of partnered with uh, uh, Logan Wilkinson, who formerly of Irrational Passions, mm-hmm. he's kind of out there. I, I think of myself as, uh, as Iron Man, you know, T. Stark, Tony Stark, Trevor Starkey. Okay, sure. Uh, uh, Logan is very much the Captain America to my uh, uh, Iron Man. Uh, and then we kind of also have uh, up-and-comer Chloe yep. doing, uh, doing some, uh, some video or some, some film podcast stuff with us. Uh, Pixel Brave, Christian Puente yep. is out there. Uh, and then uh, a handful of other kind of community members, Cameron Abbott, Jazz Foster, uh, uh, I don't want to forget them, Frank uh, Bazzani, and um, oh, who's the, the eighth... Why am I oh, here blanking on this? this? Oh, crap. You know what I mean? I should have written this down. Your resi- their is resignation it, um, will be in your email. Ben? Uh, yes, Ben Bellevue. There you <laughs> go. Thank you. Uh, the host of our That Wannabe Film class, yeah. um, Ben Bellevue uh, in the community. Uh, I'm sorry, Ben. I, I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, so, so eight of us uh, kind of out there creating content. Uh, and yeah, we launched that uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Extra Life Weekend. And uh, it's been going really well. You can follow uh, at That Nerdy Site uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash That Nerdy Site. Uh, all that fun stuff we um we have an anime show that's going to be coming out in a couple months that christian's going to be leading because that's certainly a passion of his sure uh pixel brave if you don't know has done the community videos uh for many many years that, i take it for granted i assume yeah. everybody knows everybody and, yeah, they, and like obviously pixel brave is the one who goes and does all the filming at all the events for all the communities yeah <laughs> finally started getting paid gigs with pop agenda he Indeed. came out and did the mizzou video with us back uh, last year yeah so, uh, so he's got that anime show. That was our first kind of milestone stretch goal that, that we had. Um, our three base podcasts are That Nerdy Site Show, which is kind of our, our version of the Kind of Funny Podcast, sure. where God have um, mercy on your we, we, we get together Have you uh, talked about week. Batman masturbating yet? Not yet. No, no. Uh, I'm sure it'll be somewhere in the near future. Sure, it'll come um, uh, when, when we get the Snyder Cut, of course. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, it's happening, boys. Uh, we have That Ultimate Video Game List Show, which is a, a show I kind of created where each season I'm going to bring together a panel of people, and we're going to 
to come up with the ultimate video game list. Sure. Uh, top 20 list where the, the main rules are only one game per franchise and only one game per console. Oh. So if you have like Super Mario 64 in there, you're That's not going to get any other uh, N64 games. But you can like... There are loopholes you could throw like Ocarina of Time on for the 3DS or something like that uh, if you wanted to. Okay, I see so, uh, so that's really fun. We're doing that with uh, me, Logan, Cam, and Frank right now. Um, we're about halfway through the selection phase of, uh, of season one. Uh, and then that wannabe film class that I mentioned earlier is, uh, is Ben Bellevue, Chloe, and Logan. And each week they kind of pick a movie based off of a monthly theme where they talk about films that they love. So, so far they've done uh, Mamma Mia and iRobot and uh, up next is National Treasure and the theme for this month is films of the 2000s. So, ah, okay. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, they're having a great time with that as well. Well, I'm glad you're back creating content, Trevor. It's, it's fun. It's been good to be back. All right, everybody should go to that nerdy site. That nerdy site. Keep yep. up with it there. But enough about that. Today we're talking about Stadia stumbling out of the gate. The PlayStation 5 controller's been revealed and... Animal Crossing is introducing a subscription model because this is Kinda Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show, patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames with your questions, comments, concerns, and everything under the video game sun. Then tune in to watch us record it live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. If you're watching live, you have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Games, roosterteeth.com and listening on podcast services around the globe housekeeping for you we're going to london everybody london, baby. london calling baby <laughs> see i get there in the end even if i start somewhere else i'll get there of course kind of funny world tour is making its final 2019 stop rolling into london this weekend me tim nick all the kind of honeys uh, however, if, if you, you're like, hey, wait, that was the first time I heard about it. Oh, my God, how do I get tickets? It's too late. You fucked up. It was a long time ago. We did it. It was part of the Patreon thing. Thank you for supporting us in January. You can't come to the real meet and greet because the meet, real meet, meet and greet done. Unlock. Over. However... Mark Freeman and MC Fixer are leading the charge for community events over there in jolly old London. You can follow them on Twitter at TheIndieBoy1 or at MC Fixer. They wrote in for this squad up, but I have a different squad up, so I put it up here in the housekeeping. Today, MC Fixer and I, this is Mark Freeman writing, have announced a full list of community events for the London meet and greet. We have stuff from Thursday to Monday, including mini golf, bowling, Nando's, and lots more. For full details, check out our Twitters at TheIndieBoy1 and at MC Fixer. Or we also have posted to Reddit and the UK Facebook group. All these events do not require a ticket or booking, so come hang out with the best friends. It is truly an amazing experience. You won't regret it. Hashtag KFTourUK. So I guess now they've made their own hashtag. Barrett, I think we have to use that hashtag. Okay? Because before we were using Kind of Funny World Tour, but they've already co-opted one. And then how many hashtags can we have, you know? (laughs) There's never too many. Never too many. That's my man over there. That's bad. Barry, I want you to warm up. I want, give me that smile again. Show me that smile again. That's my B-Force oh, over there. So, See? I'm so tired. I miss that smile, What did Barry. you do all weekend? Sleep. Why are you so tired? How many Sleep. Zeldas did you play? Uh, None. Played a lot of Pokemon, though. Hell yeah, you did. Uh, number two on housekeeping. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Blackjack, Zach Parsley, and Mohammed Mohammed. Today, we're brought to you by Third Love, Upstart, and Quip. But I'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin the show with what is and forever will be. The Roper Report. <laughs> Time for some news! Four items on the Roper Report. A big dozen. 
We're going to start with the big one of the day, ladies and gentlemen, at 9 a.m. today. The Stadia, Google Stadia, review embargo lifted. I have it here on my desk. I have things to say, but instead I'll turn it over to a plethora of reviews that are all not glowing. Oh, dear Lord. We're going to start with Patrick Klepik over advice. Of course, all of these, uh, yeah, all these gentlemen wrote a whole bunch of different reviews, uh, all much longer than what I'm writing here, or reading you here. You should go check all these people out. I think Klepix, uh, though, uh, mirrors a lot of what I've seen and, and thought. Uh, on that very specific question, Patrick writes, uh, referring to play it, it's cool, it'd be cool to play it anywhere. Stadium mostly delivers. It feels goddamn magical when you're playing a gorgeous version of Mortal Kombat 11 at the local Starbucks on your phone and can immediately pick up where you left off in the story a few minutes later at home, as if nothing happened. The whole reason I want everything ported to Switch is for this kind of radical convenience. And while it's cool, games like The Witcher 3 have found some deep, ha- have found some deeply compromised ways to show up on Switch, uh, I'd much rather play those games with real frame rates. But there is a reason it's felt like Google has deliberately avoided a splashy launch for a service that otherwise seems positioned as a huge part of the company's future. This is an early access debut for Stadia. For most people, the answer as to whether you should buy this is a resounding no. The technology is there, but the service is not even close. Stadia is launching in, essentially, shambles. I skip a whole bunch to get to this part. Right now, for example, it's only possible to stream to Google's Pixel phone. You can't buy games through the TV interface. There's no family sharing, so if your kid wants their own Stadia account, they can't play your copy of Just Dance 2020. Have fun spending twice the money. There is only one exclusive game, a spooky adventure called Guilt, a game called Guilt. Parentheses, it's only okay. Uh, there is an achievement system, but you can't see it yet. The Stadia controller is technically wireless, but outside of a TV with Chromecast Ultra, it has to be plugged in, which becomes an unwieldy experience on a phone unless you have a really long cable. The list goes on, but you get the idea. Jumping over to Mike Williams at US Gamer. Google Stadia is simply not ready for launch. There's a kernel of a good idea here, a good concept for a service, but what Google is launching with simply isn't up to snuff. It's messy, it's missing features, and the Stadia experience across platforms simply isn't uniform enough to justify a full release. Again, jumping a whole bunch here for Mike's article. Stadia's Stadia's streaming gameplay needs to be impeccable, and it's not at the moment. And maybe it looks better when compared to a $300 to $400 for Switch, Xbox One X, or PlayStation 4 Pro, but those systems have cheaper options that just play the games. Project xCloud might not be making as many promises as Stadia, but it's an add-on to an existing console with a much larger library. But promising streaming 4K games with no issues and delivering what's here is not the way to build a platform. Despite all the claims, Stadia isn't gaming for everyone yet. Peter Brown at GameSpot. I've experienced less than half of Stadia's launch library at this time. There are more games coming very soon, but most are titles that are readily available on other platforms. So far, Google's tech has impressed me to the point where I I would comfortably play most in a browser tab or on a phone without batting an eye. But then I consider that I will have to buy the vast majority of these games, and I'm left in awe of the value of Microsoft and Sony are offering. Even if their overall services lack Stadia's flexibility, for the moment, even if uh, it's a flexibility period. For the moment, cloud gaming still feels like a decent alternative to the real thing, but I don't think I'm ready to dedicate a full-price game purchase to a secondary platform. I will continue to prioritize my consoles and PC for the foreseeable future, but I will also continue testing Stadia in the days to come. And come back soon with my final thoughts on Stadia's 2019 debut. And then Kevin Lee at IGN writes, Is Google Stadia good? That's the question on everybody's mind with the game streaming service launching today, and after a week of testing it out, I can say yes, yes it is, but, and there are several big buts about it, with at least 15 of Stadia's promised features still on their way, it's probably worth waiting a while before jumping onto Google's game streaming service. 
Oof! That is that is uh, not a good showing for Stadia out the gate. Not at all, and I echo everything they've said. You know, I've been a big proponent and still am of streaming gaming, and I'm super excited for it. And I've talked, I know I've talked at length about this on this show and a million other ones. But if you're just coming in for the headline, I want a streaming game service. I want to be able to take my games on the road. Remote play is almost there, but it's so many different things of the hotel's connection, my house's connection, and how what's the delay there. The idea of having this or, and, and xCloud, for that matter, and be able to go right to it is awesome. In practice, it's not the tech that's not there as much. Like, everybody's talking about it here, right? For the most part, the tech works pretty well. What I've played there, you know, playing Destiny uh, last night in my house with my Wi-Fi internet, right? I noticed it wasn't as, you know, like, you know, nanosecond precise, but it was fine. Mm -hmm. I could play that version of Destiny to have a good time. In the front office here where the internet's good, I was good. In the back office, me and Andy are like, oh, my God, it barely runs. When I hooked up the Chromecast and plugged in the Ethernet, and was playing on the TV, like Destiny, I felt like it was even closer to being perfect Destiny, but then it was the visual stuff, as it got expanded to my TV of running and seeing like leaves pop in a second too early, so it was like where they shouldn't be as I was running through things. Okay. Um, artifacting, where I'd be running, and then all of a sudden, you know, it would go all blocky and things like that. I keep going back, and especially with this now here, as proof or whatever, what we've been saying since they started ripping out the things they said they were going to have and revealing this launch lineup... If this said early access, it would be a whole different ball yeah. of wax. Yeah, I think Patrick nails that right on the head. That was what I kind of uh, wrote, is early access is very much what this feels like. Yeah. I knew we were going to be talking about it with uh, with kind of item two on the Roper Report as well, um, before all of the uh, the kind of reviews, reviews dropped. And uh, and yeah, I, I, I have a, a Founders Pack coming to my house sometime this week, hopefully, while I'm knock on wood. here. Check, knock, check knock on wood. Got, yeah. I've not gotten any codes or anything I was going to say, I uh, see every time I look at the Stadia subreddit, somebody else having yeah. their their, th- their ch- credit card got charged and they're getting it, or there's a delay notification. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I, I'll be checking it out and kind of providing uh, my own kind of coverage through that nerdy site, thatnerdysite.com. So here's my question for you, then, yeah. if I can cut you off. Yeah. You have your pre-order coming. Would you keep your pre-order knowing all this or is it for you like well I'm, we're that nerdy site we want to be able to talk about everything if I wasn't trying to cover this for content I probably would have uh, done what I saw a lot of people doing in the last week or two of, yeah. of canceling their pre-orders yeah. um, I, I'm very much in the same boat as you I like I want there to be a successful streaming future even if um, I like I often look at everybody saying we want to put everything on the Switch we want everything on the Switch because it's portable and it's it's there and ready for us to go I think the people that want that um, we I, I hear it most often from from kind of reviewers and critics and, and enthusiasts like yourself that's me um, uh, because you guys are traveling to to and from events all the time yeah I, I do like because I enjoy going to PAXs and sure. stuff but um, if I wasn't doing that I would be playing pretty much everything from my house so it's not necessarily something for me and I think it's not really something that's for a lot of people out there yeah. in the audience the, the biggest selling point that I see from uh, from something like Stadia or, or kind of the streaming future is I'm too intimidated to go in and build my own PC or, or yep. spend $1,000 on a good gaming PC. So this is an easier, more accessible route for me to do that. Just buy, get the get the thing, get the Chromecast, and, and load it up on my TV or something. Um, so it, I'm, I'm interested in, in that regard, but with kind of everything they've been ripping out of it and all the, the kind of, hey, wait for it, yeah. I probably would have easily been like, okay, well, I've got my consoles for the games that I really want to play. I would probably have sat back and, and said, 
yeah, I'm going to hold off on this. Yeah, that, I mean, my biggest thing with it, right, is, again, being excited for the tech, but talking about it on the shows where I've, I've said that, you know, for me, Stadia is a purchase of, cool, I'm going to look, I'm going to see what it's like at launch and then put it in a drawer and not touch it. I was saying until 2020, but now with Darksiders Genesis being PC Stadia in December, I'll play Darksiders on it. But to everybody's comments here in their reviews, right, like, this isn't something you need to rush out for. If you're not worried about your name as Game Over Greggy getting state taken or something to that effect, I don't understand. Like, there isn't a gun to your head to go get this. Yeah. In fact, I I think even what's fascinating about it and why, when you look at this, like, why did Sadie do this? Why did they rush it out? Why did they do this with all this stuff? Because, like, keep in mind, like, right now, I ha- if you're a visual or a visual viewer, if you're watching on YouTube, right, I'm holding Twitch. I'm holding up uh, the Google Pixel in the stand connected to the Stadia controller, right? You can't play the game this way. I don't have the USB-C to USB-C connector. Right now, the, the Stadia controller only works wirelessly with the Chromecast. So this is best-case scenario visual right here of what you'd want this to look like and what you'd want it to be. So it's like that alone, I think, right there is the most damning, like, oh, right. Even that's not up to – and that's time and time and time again with this fucking device over the weekend where it's like, cool, I'm in there. And it's like, oh, they finally, as everybody puts in their reviews, right, like they sent us a Red Dead code for review super late. We got a, a, a couple of different games of their 11 at launch, and then Red Dead came in over the weekend sometime. And when it did, it was like, awesome. I open up the Stadia app on my iPhone, which I can't play at all with. You yeah. know, There's no iOS support yet, which, again, whatever. It's coming. I understand this. Uh, I open it up. I click on my name, and I'm like, fuck, I thought this is where I could redeem the codes. Fuck, I can't. Oh, it must be because it's. The, I open up the Pixel ver- on the version of it. Can't do it. I'm like, wait, can I only use the piece? Open up the Chromecast version. You have to go to the fucking PC to do to redeem a code right now. Like it's like that. It's like even when you're in Stadia, using Stadia on the Chromecast or on the phone or whatever, it still doesn't have the functionality that the .dot com has. And yeah. It's like what the fuck. They, it, it's it's almost like they haven't been paying attention to all of the Epic Game Store stuff for the last mm-hmm. six months mm-hmm. that everybody's been mad about, and but I, it's missing all of those features that everybody's wanting for anything out the gate these days. You yeah. Can't, you can't launch a product with as few features as this without everybody saying, well, why would I jump to that? I already have this other thing that does all of this that I'm looking for. And it really puts them into this interesting situation of, I think the idea was, we need to beat Xbox out. We need to be out there before xCloud is a reality, right? Because again, like, imagine if at XO19, Phil Spencer and all of them had been like, cool, xCloud is coming out of beta today, or we're expanding the beta to everyone, and it includes all your Xbox games and Game Pass. DOA. Why would I ever get this, right? Yep. And so the idea is get this out sooner, try to get to streaming first before everybody else, and then hopefully build an audience and a fan base and a store and an account and an ecosystem before we get to xCloud being like, oh no, xCloud's in beta, but you can still access everything on your Xbox. And that was the idea, and you think if you nail that, you're going to be great. When you fuck it up and all the reviews look like this, like they've salted the earth for so many people, which sucks. And it's what I was talking about last week, I think with Geo, of my concern then becomes, for everybody who wants to hate streaming, did this salt the earth for Project xCloud to an extent, too? Ooh, now, yeah. the, the answer there is, it really doesn't matter for xCloud. You're talking about how this is ancil- ancillary content, right? Where it's, yeah, that's awesome for me, and maybe, honestly, probably <laughs> will make me think really twice about when I have xCloud working and I can access any one of my games, like... Shit, do I want to play my games on PlayStation? Do I really care that much? Am I, never, am I ever going to platinum game X? If not, why wouldn't I play it on Xbox and have it everywhere? Yeah. 
that's a much sexier promise than what we have right here and right now. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because uh, I was just looking up um, uh, Jack Buser because I just didn't mm-hmm. recall his name, but he came on We Have Cool Friends with you guys yeah. um, uh, a few weeks back very much talking about Google Stadia. And, and one of the things that he said a lot in that episode that, that stuck with me was um, when it's going to launch, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. was kind of his, uh, his kind of, and, and right now it's not great proof. And that's in the and this is the issue. I was trying to think about it. Like I didn't want to tweet because I knew we were gonna do the show, and I knew there'd be well more thought out reviews. And that's the thing too is like, again, Stadia's problem, right, is that the launch lineup is garbage. Yeah. And 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 that there's great games in there, but I've played those games. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, this weekend I have free time. I'd rather try to platinum Jedi and put in work there, right? So when it's like, all right, cool, I need to test Stadia. It's like, all right, um. I'll run around Destiny. I ran around Destiny. When I turned on Destiny last week when we got the unit, I had to go to Andy. I'm like, I don't remember how to do anything. Where do I go? And he's like, okay, cool. I ran around and shot stuff for like, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah. Okay, cool. It feels nothing. But I'm not even, like, it would be different if Borderlands was on this. I'd be able to tell you how that feels because I play so much Borderlands. I can't. Um, Let's jump out. And I tried the Guilt game. And I'm like, Guilt runs really well. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, again, it's an adventure game. It was running really great until this one time when I rounded a corner crouch from the enemy and I was like, all right, time. What? Stop walking. Stop walking. Why are you walking? Why are you walking? And it was the characters. And I'm like pounding all the buttons. Couldn't stop it. I hit the stadium button. That popped up. I had controls there. Something in the game worked. And again, this is a very isolated incident. I'm not talking shit about it. But on top of that, like, guilt just didn't look good on the big screen. I'm, I think Patrick's review talks about it that. It's crazy how good things look on the Pixel on the phone, and then when you get them on the TV, that's when it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this yeah. isn't is this doesn't look exactly like my PlayStation. This yeah. doesn't look exactly like this. I think you know, for guilt in particular, playing it on Wi-Fi on the Chromecast on the TV, I was like, I think my 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 uh, uh, Switch games look better than this. Yeah, that's, I, I I had a lot of that kind of experience with back in the Wii U with mm-hmm. the gamepad versus on on mm-hmm. TV, and then again with the Switch. Um, I've I have barely ever played anything uh, on my Switch docked. And so everything looks great when I'm playing it in the handheld mode. Um, but I remember specifically with uh, Breath of the Wild that like I, with all of my other issues with that game, which we might get into in, in one of the questions or something, um, I, uh, I uh, remember thinking, ooh, this, like, this looks much better when it's on a small screen on my Switch right. as opposed to putting it up on my 60-inch TV. Yeah, and, and again, like... That's where we get back. You know, I want to bring in a question here. Amon writes in to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames and says, Hey, KF team. I wanted to get your opinions on the various streaming services for video games. Google getting into the game was a big deal, but as Stadia gets near to launch and the recent news from Xbox with regards to xCloud makes me think that Google doesn't stand a chance. Maybe if they are able to lock down a few third-party exclusives, but at the moment, Xbox is doing everything right to sell their service. What can Google do to make Stadia more appealing? Should Sony be making... uh, Keep Sony out of this conversation, I think. They don't have anything to do with this right here. To your point, to what you just said and what I just said about it looking better on a phone, again... That's why I think xCloud, not in beta form as it is right now, xCloud in 2020 when it is, play your games. Play Game Pass games. Really have the Xbox ecosystem in the cloud. That's the one that's the game changer and I think the killing blow to Stadia. Because Stadia is wounded right now. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say mortally wounded. We've seen different things come back. But you think about the Wii U. You think about the original Xbox One like... A bad, you think about PS3, bad launches, and I guess PS3 did overcome in the end, but bad launches are so hard to recover from. Yeah, and, and, and most people don't realize that PS3 overtook it in the end because of the, the, like, the, message, the mind the narrative, share. right? Yeah. And I think the p- important thing to both all three of those examples from our recent memory I've just brought up is those were not their first time out the gate. Right. They were not 
looked at in a way of like, oh, you're not here to stay. Google still has that. Are they really going to make it? Are they really going to do this? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what does this all reverberate back to? And so long story short, what I was driving with that is that, again, when xCloud is like, cool, Greg, you own all these games on Xbox and you want to play them over there and you can do it both. When I'm playing it on the screen, I'll only ever play it on my iPad, on my iPhone, on a smaller screen. Because if I'm in front of a giant TV, I'm going to use my Xbox and I'm going to have the best experience. Yeah. If, if, the, if the experience with Stadia is never go- great anywhere... Why would I ever play the games there? Yeah, I think that's very much um, uh, kind of what we need to see from Stadia is how well um, the, the the viability of it on kind of when they get the 4K streaming up and going, uh, which is another one of those things they ripped out, you know, pre-launch. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I, I think Google certainly has the resources if they are dedicated to put behind this, but we've also there's also that list of you know all of the things that Google has walked away from. Yeah, I'm trying to find it on Clepix. Uh, thing today. He put up a thing like, hey, we're going on the podcast. Uh, do this. Uh, if you got questions, do this. And somebody responded with, maybe it's this. Yeah, somebody responded with uh, uh, Jason Scott. This is a tweet from Jason Scott, uh, who I don't know. Oh, wait, maybe I do. No, maybe I don't. Uh, Jason Scott, who says, to celebrate the official launch of uh, Google Stadia tomorrow, I've created a single-purpose website, website, StadiaCountdown.com. It is a countdown timer set for the average lifespan of any Google service slash product, which is four years. And so when you go to StadiaCountdown.com, it is just counting down in hours, minutes, and seconds to when Google and, shuts and down. Days. days. Yeah, it's days, too. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's like... It's ready, like, there's already this sense of, are they committed? Are they going to make this? Is this really going to happen? And to have this bad of a launch, I don't know. It's the same thing we talk about with 76, Fallout 76, with Anthem, with anything. Like, I mean, what are the great relaunch stories, right? Like, No Man's Sky. Final Fantasy XIV. Final Fantasy XIV. And those are games. Those are $60 games, not platforms where you have to buy in and believe so much. I I would argue A Realm Reborn is a platform uh, as Fair. an ongoing subscription service, um, but yeah, it's it's very rare that we see something bounce back that well. Yeah, um, but at the same time, you, I mean, like I would look, I would never have thought the Switch would be doing as well as it was after the Wii U. Um, yeah. So it if like, and maybe there will be a Stadia 2.0 or something down the line that that kind of helps rebrand or restructure around so that some of this gets forgotten. It's all still way too early days to to know where we're end up, uh, going with any of this. But I think because xCloud has um, the 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 a similar backing. size of backing with with Microsoft behind it, but then also fifteen plus years in in doing this um, and a a catalog and library of games to back it up. That's that's one of the things. Obviously, we saw I think this generation with the Xbox One was they didn't have the games to support it, and so everybody went to PlayStation. Yeah, I think it, Xbox One at least has games that aren't only third party stuff like uh, like we see on Stadia right now. And you know, it's what we keep talking about in terms of Stadia. This is all it is. XCloud, right? There's a system, and there's a there's there's a console, and there's a business, and they're like there's so much else happening there that I don't feel like if millions and millions and millions of people don't use XCloud, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. If just a, a committed few do, and if honestly, I'm still the canary in the coal mine. If if, the, if a PlayStation committed gamer sees this and is like and has a very specific life use for it, and I come over and I start playing my third party titles there, and obviously exclusive Xbox, that makes sense. But you know what I mean. I come over and I start using it. That's a huge get, and they, that's all they want, right? And that's yeah. all Xbox is trying to do with all of their programs is be like, we are the best place for gamers. Come over here and do it. 
Uh, reading from Kevin Lee's article, he has a couple different great breakout boxes. Uh, everything on Stadia coming after launch. So these are things that have been promised and aren't in there, right? Uh, achievements. Uh, Google Stadia records achievements, players from launch, uh, but there's no supporting UI or notification for achievements until shortly after launch. Number two, Chromecast Ultra. Stadia only works with Chromecast Ultras that ship with the Stadia controllers at launch. Google plans to update existing Chromecast Ultras over the air soon after launch. I don't understand that one still I, to this day. Yeah, like that seems like that would be, if anything else, a day one patch right? that you would put out there for any Google. Google Chromecast Ultra. Number three, Buddy Pass. Founders, editions, uh, owners of Stadia can gift a three-month Stadia subscription to a friend, but only starting two weeks after you receive the bundle. Number four, uh, Stream Connect. Local co-op will be available by the end of 2019. Number five, wireless Stadia controller support. The Stadia controller works only works wirelessly with a compatible Chromecast Ultra. Otherwise, you need to have the controller directly wired to a smartphone or PC. Wireless functionality for the other screens will come early 2020. Uh, number six, 4K web browsing streaming. Web, I'm sorry, 4K web browser streaming. 4K streaming is available on TVs, but it'll come to the Chrome browser in early 2020. Number seven, mobile party and voice chat, available 2020. Number eight, uh, state share. Not only will we be able to transfer save states between devices, but also share them. However, it won't be available until sometime in 2020. Number nine, crowd play, one of Stadia's biggest features that allows streamers to play Stadia games with other viewers, also do derive sometime in 2020. And then number 10, video capture. 1080p video capture, up to 30 seconds, will be available at a later date. So again, Pretty much everything they showed that would like set them apart isn't here. Yeah, and like what a way to just come out and get fucking punched. Like what? And like it's gonna be so hard to climb out of this hole. I, you know, you talked about Jack being on. We have cool friends, right? I've known Jack for years. Mm -hmm. uh, Jack made me believe in PlayStation Home and what they were going for, right? Like, I mean, it was a fascinating conversation. I when you come it. on here, and I asked him, like, right, are they committed? Are they doing? He's like, I wouldn't leave my. I wouldn't have left PlayStation to come here if I wasn't. If they weren't committed to it, so it's like awesome. I believe in those people. But then I just wonder where in the leadership structure it got to. Who's pulling the strings to be like, not oh, it's not early access. Put it out. This is the thing. This is how we're doing it. Yeah. Because you know, like it doesn't matter. Like the it, for right now, as somebody pointed out, and you, our nanobiologist did, of course, and you're wrong that if I, on the IGN Stadia review, if we had to review it now, which they are not, but if they did, they'd give it a six, right? Yeah, like, it's an in process or in, when, in process in, review. Yeah, in, re in review. Pro review and progress. Yeah. Right. We're both trying. We're both right they're, around they're, it. Yeah. It's like painting the tail of a donkey. We're both getting really close to what we're trying to say. Uh Whatever that final score ends up being, whatever Peter at GameSpot gives it, like that shit is etched on their tombstone. Yeah. And like, it, yeah, they can update that, and yeah, they can get away from it and do a bunch of different stuff. But the problem is that they will do this at, with everything we just talked about in that drip feed to where it'll never have the No Man's Sky Beyond moment. Mm -hmm. It'll never have that moment of like, this is the patch that made Google Stadia what it should should have always been. Yeah, and I think so much of it does come down to one of the other analogs that I'm, I'm thinking about as we talk is, um, is how the messaging has gone up to this point. Uh, you always talk uh, PSVR was very much, hey, we're hey, launching early, a yeah, brand yeah. new thing. It's going to be like Gen 1 PlayStation. That's how we're going in with this. Whereas Stadia came out and said, it's going to be everything. And then they were like, oh, Actually, we're not going to hit that time frame, so we got to start pulling some of this. Which stuff is back. why Microsoft did that, like, like veiled dunk on them, right at XO nineteen yeah. of like, we're not saying we're replacing your console. We're not like they're being even XCloud, right? Where uh, I got my XCloud, and Andy says I can talk about. It. I'm not sure, and I didn't read my NDA, but I, I got a <laughs> I got in the beta, right? And like I turned it on, but it was like right after I got this. And again, my XCloud thing, like I mean, the first thing I did was try to load up State of Decay, and it kind of crashed. And I was like. You know, I'm gonna focus on this for because I gotta worry about having more formed opinions on this. But like, XCloud's 
a beta. Yeah. Who the hell cares? Yeah. I expect it to crash. Yeah, I expect like, it not to work. They're, they're, uh, one of the, the things I put in here for uh, the required reading is uh, uh, an article that gamesindustry.biz did um, talking about the, the preview program and all the stuff they're exploring in, uh, in the, the Xbox, uh, XCloud, Project xCloud preview program. Um, and the fact that it is a beta and properly in a preview program means people are looking at it differently. Yep. In the same way that for, you know, the last two years we've looked at Fortnite differently or, or PUBG. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah, yeah. Jigs up. That I game's mean, done. Still early access. Technically. Yeah, yeah. Chapter two, early access. I'm going to bring it in here because you brought it up. All right. You're talking about your required reading from gamesindustry.biz. Xbox, quote, people are using xCloud to create couch co-op. Uh, this is Christopher Dring uh, doing an interview with the general manager of Project xCloud, Catherine Gluckstein. Yeah. Nailed it. You want to read it? Yeah, um, so uh, I pulled a couple kind of the, the big talking points I thought I saw kind of floating around uh, on Twitter today. Um, one of hers is uh, talking about, we're taking preview to Canada, to Western Europe, to Japan, and to India. Right now it's currently in the U.S., U.K., and South Korea. Um, so that's kind of where they're launching to. Uh, with India today, there are more people who play games in India than the population of the U.S., about 300 million. It's a huge gaming market, but no one... Uh, but but not one we've played in before. It's a really interesting place for us to go and learn. So, like right there, um, the the thing I brought to you earlier was that we I think we often forget about the size and scope of like the India or the Chinese markets. Sure. Um, with both of those countries having a billion plus people, they have a significantly larger potential gamer base than yeah, yeah. than we do. So, with uh, you know all this stuff going on with Blizzard in the last few weeks uh, or last couple months, um, you know, I I. It's it's bad in free Hong Kong and all that, um, but I very much understand the business rationale of sure. there's a huge market out there that we that, that even if we lost every single U.S. player, like that could easily be replaced by sure. by some of those emerging markets. Not to mention, I think when we're talking about this kind of emerging tech, yeah, right. If you're talking about yeah about 300 million, right? Like if you can get a one percent of that out there playing this, you're stress testing it in a way that it isn't getting stress tested in the West. Yeah. Um, then kind of the other, the, the talking point that they pull in kind of there for the, the title of the article, Sea of Thieves doesn't support couch co-op. Uh, people in the program are using Project xCloud to create couch co-op experiences. When I play at home, one of my kids is playing on, this is uh, Catherine, uh, one of my kids is playing on Xbox One, another is on my Surface Book 2, and I'm sat right next to them on Project xCloud. We're all in the mm -hmm. same room playing together. A good percentage of the love notes we've received have been about someone else in the household monopoly a TV, yet now they can still play together. And uh, obviously, we can't all have the like side by side gaming yeah. stream setups that I know you and Jen have. I yeah, know yeah. Andrea and, and, I mean, and John that, have. That's exactly what I'm talking about, right? Where it is that idea of like, you know, my, my some of my most recent favorite memories, right, were uh, uh, Monster Hunter and Division, right? Where it'd be like when uh, uh, Kevin came over and we did a sleepover, and then Scott Lowe and Xavier Woods came over during GDC to play the Division, and it was like, it was like the old school days of dragging all these screens into yep. the room. But like, yeah, if you're doing it on your phone, if you're all doing it on your tablets, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of one of the last takeaways that I had from this article that I wanted to touch on is um, I think this very much helps set the stage for Xbox to kind of further change the conversation next generation. Like I think we saw okay. this generation where they've moved away from reporting, you know, unit sales, obviously, for a number of reasons. But I think um, this kind of mentality uh, that they're exploring with Project xCloud helps further change the conversation from how many units have we sold to how many subscribers, how many users do we have. And if you can, if, if PlayStation goes out there and says, we have sold 100 PS5s, and Xbox comes out and says, great, but we've got 150 million subscribers in xCloud in some of these emerging markets, that's going to, like, 
significantly, I think, change the game for the next generation. Yeah. This next generation is going to be super fascinating. And I know we say that every generation, but it's because it always is. But, like, especially where we are now, it's... Think about where we were at the end of the PS3 360 life cycle getting ready for PS4, uh, Xbox One. And it was, all right, maybe there'll be one more console generation. Right? Yeah. And, like, we weren't talking about streaming. Like, uh, you know, when PlayStation bought Gaikai, we knew something was going to happen, but we weren't sure what. And I don't think we were thinking we'd be here. And it, it's always this thing of... You know, the biggest problem, Klepek brings it up in his, is like bandwidth and how much, you know, Stadia streaming is eating up into bandwidth and d data caps and all yeah. that stuff. And we're, you are seeing already like the technological advancements of, all right, we can, for the most part, do this where you're streaming a game and it feels good and all that stuff. But now there's limitations of where the world's at with the internet and how does that move on and where do we go? Mm hmm. Can't wait to see what happens in five years. Yeah. If we're all alive. Very exciting. <laughs> Number two, after all that uh, play, uh, bad news for Google Stadia, I got some good one. They're adding more games. Stadia's day one launch lineup has increased to 22 titles, spanning a broad variety of game genres. The Stadia launch lineup of hit games delivers incredible quality for players to enjoy. Uh, Stadia's day one titles include uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which we already knew. New, though, Attack on Titan, Final Battle 2. Uh, D Destiny 2, the collection, which we already knew, available in the Stadia Pro. Uh, Farming Simulator 2019 is a new game. Final Fantasy 15, a new game. Football Manager 2020, a new game. Grid 2019, a new game. and has that 40-player multiplayer thing. Uh, Guilt, Just Dance 2020, uh, Kine. Metro Exodus, a new game. Mortal Kombat 11. NBA 2K20, a new game. Rage 2, a new game. Then Rise of the Tomb Raider. Red Dead Redemption 2. Samurai Showdown, which is also available in Stadia Pro. Uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Thumper. Tomb Raider 2013. Uh, new Game Trials Rising. And new game Wolfenstein Youngblood. Uh, the Stadia Press release goes on to say, Additional games expected to be playable on Stadia by the end of the year include Borderlands 3, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Dragon Ball Xenoverse, and Darksiders Genesis. Of course, there are many more titles that have been announced as coming to Stadia in 2020, including Doom Eternal, Watch Dogs Legions, Legion, God and, God and Monsters, uh, and Cyberpunk 2077. A weird, weird last-minute thing that I saw a Keeley break on Twitter, yeah. and I had to go to my email. I'm like, oh, there it is. But also interesting that I saw everybody sharing Keeley's tweet. I was like, did fucking Stadia tweet this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did only Jeff Keeley was the only one smart enough to be like, I should put this out there. Yeah. And Stadia we, PR is like, oh, fuck, we should have said something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and like all those new games, we're already in the bucket of uh, that the kind of end there is of like these were going to come out this you knew year they were anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think, uh, and I think a lot of this came out from the backlash of hey, there are only you guys are only launching with twelve games. Yeah. Um, so it further kind of supports that idea of this being an early access. If they had all these games ready enough to go, that they would announce an initial slate and then a few days later announce. 10 more games are going to but be man, part of that the 11th slate. hour, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, to break it over the weekend, like, what a weird move. Yeah, and that's, and, and that's why it, it feels very reactionary. It feels yeah. like, oh, okay, totally. well, we've got all these, we were holding them back, but if you really want more stuff, we can flip the switch on these, they're all ready to go. Yeah. Um, and, and here you are, here, here you've got 10 more games. We've almost doubled our lineup. Yeah, it's, like, it's but like, still, like, yeah. what, none of them are awesome. Or, yeah. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. I understand the, the argument that it could be new to you, and that's great. Yeah. I just doubt it. Tomb Raider 2013, a great game, but I, like I played it in 2013, <laughs> right? And that's my thing is like, and it's, it, we talk about it's just such a weird thing of if it's a launch, then you need the system selling launch exclusives, right? But if it's not a launch and it's early access, then this is fun. It's just such a weird back and forth of what the fuck is this? I've seen the question going around is who is this for? Yeah, I think I saw Mike tweet uh, Mike Futter have like a yeah. whole tweet thread, and that, I think it was uh, uh, Mike from US Gamer had it in his review too. Mm -hmm. It's a question for me. It's not even like who is this for, as much as like 
what is this launch? Is it, it, what if I'm at Google Stadia? If I'm you know working next to Jared Petty, what do we think we're doing? Like, do we think we're launching a product? Do we think we're launching a beta? Do we think like what are the metrics for success? Where are you expecting this to come out? Because there none of these people there are stupid, right? Yeah. They pulled all these industry vets. So at what point did they look at this and go, oh fuck, this isn't a good launch. This maybe we're not launching. Like it's, I was excited for the platform to launch. The game's on it so much. I'm like, I don't care about any of these, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, none of the shit's there. Cool. I got my name. I got my controller. It'll sit in a drawer till Darksiders Genesis in a couple weeks. Hopefully, knock on wood, that'll happen still. Yeah. Is that fine? Is that like, what do you do with all the bad press you're getting? I mean, for, for me, the, the games I am going to probably pick up and play on this uh, to, to kind of test it out are Rage 2 and Wolfenstein Youngblood, a couple games that I missed from earlier in the year yeah. um, and, and am interested in, but was not interested enough to get them day one kind of day and date. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to like exploring some of these. Red Dead Redemption 2 being on there and not Grand Theft Auto V seems like a very big misstep because it seems like with the juggernaut that that game is, yeah. the Grand Theft Auto V, like, yeah, put it on Stadia. One more thing, people can buy it and they can, you know, continue to sell and top the NPD charts every month. Um, it and and then you can take it anywhere with you um, and play it on your phone and all that stuff. So it, yeah, I'm I'm very much in the same kind of boat of I don't like really recognize who this is for, but then I also think of like. Um, People, like co-workers that I had that, hey, on their lunch break, they would hop in and play like a game of Magic the Gathering or something on their PC. And so maybe that's something they'll use this and for. That, and again, that's where, I mean, it gets exciting, the streaming stuff for me, of having that ability. And that's what I want, right? Where it is like, I'm, you know, we're talking about my Platinum for uh, Jedi Fallen Order, working on it. And so, yeah, if it is like, you know, oh, I got 20 minutes before a podcast, if it was, bomb, pop in, do the thing, get there, great, awesome. Not like how it is now with remote play, of like see it trying to connect, searching yep. for your PlayStation 4, some weird problem. Uh, oh, I had a question I wanted to pull into it, right? I'm jumping in to reader mail, of course. Uh, Dan Rolls, 2020, wrote in to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames and says, What's up, KFGD crew? With Borderlands 3 releasing on Stadia later this year and not as a day one title, do you think that has anything to do with Gearbox working on cross-save functionality and couldn't have it ready to go for launch day? It just seems a little odd that Stadia wouldn't launch with a big game like Borderlands 3, but still have it come out by the end of 2019. I've held off on buying Borderlands for PS4 because I wanted it, I wanted that to be my first Stadia purchase. I wish they would confirm that cross-save is coming so I could start the game on PS4 and switch it over to Stadia when it comes out. Thanks and have a great rest of the day. Dan Rolls, 22. I mean, it sounds like something that would be perfect for you guys to discuss on the Borderlands show. On the Borderlands show, show man, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean... They've been frank, you know what I mean? I always, I mean, I know that, of course, yeah, we host the Borderlands show, so clearly we work with them all the time, so you could take anything I say with a grain of fucking salt. I think that, you know, Gearbox, everybody who's come on the show has been frank with answers. Like, they don't dodge questions. I, you know, they, they're never like, oh, blah, blah. it's very much like, that's a great idea, we're working on it, we're doing this thing. Like, they've said pretty openly that that's something they want. They yeah. want cross-save, they want it. I don't think it is. I don't think you're waiting for Stadia's launch because I just don't. Borderlands in 2K... With all due respect to Stadia, don't give a shit about Stadia. Yeah, they want it. They want it to be cross save between Xbox, PlayStation, uh, PC, Stadia. Sure, but that's not why they would hold the date here. I think it just comes down to making the game work right. Yeah, I think I I, I would very much uh, view cross save having just been like, hey, it's on our list of things we want to do, but it's not going to be a high priority because we have numbers or we can get numbers that say this is how many people use cross save functionality when yeah. it's out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and to get the game out and try and get it in the time frame that they wanted to get it in, I think that's something you can very easily kind of push down the line. And, hey, then if you want to... Because, uh, like, even there, 
how, like what kind of audience are you catering to for cross save? Like, oh, you you want the people who can play on PS4 and Xbox One or on PC? Yeah, yeah. You don't have that many people that are buying multiple copies of the game just so they can like bounce around. Exactly, that's the other thing too. Yeah, yeah. So I I think it's much more of a hey, there there just aren't the numbers to support why we want to put that many resources into it to get it in time for launch. And you talk about resources again. I'm stupid and I do not make video games. But my thought Me process <laughs> on all of this, and I don't know when, you know, uh, I don't know when you're, if you're Gearbox, you see, holy shit, wait a second, people are starting to do cross, cross progression, or cross save, not even cross progression, like Destiny, right? Yeah. That's all awesome, and that's all great. However, Bungie.net was already so good at gathering all your information from your character, whatever platform you're on. I use Gearbox's thing for the shift codes. Exactly, yeah. But I don't know if that already has an infrastructure built in that's tracking my saves and doing my thing and paying attention to my flack. That's, so it's like, even if it was, Sony called them up, or everybody called, <laughs> the president of games called them up and was like, cross-save is enabled, enjoy your life. Cool, you need to come up with your own infrastructure to make that happen. Yeah. And so I, don't, I would imagine that's the biggest hurdle to doing this is like, shit. Yeah, go in there and retrofit this thing to look at that to do the thing. And I certainly think that because they've been doing that shift code thing for years, and you have a uh, you know two K account or a Gearbox account to get that, like they're already leaps and bounds ahead of other people that would maybe try and implement cross save, but don't have that separate login where like, hey, this is a unique to you because yeah, you, yeah, you log into to shift and you can link it to your PC, your Steam account, or your Steam account, your Xbox, your PS yeah. account. Um, so it from that kind of um, architectural like there's some kind of linkage there where you could say okay this is who you're playing on each of these platforms but yeah it's it's i'm sure a much bigger haul than either of us would be able to no we're we're two morons we can we definitely gonna do that around um two things from your wrong uh ku choco writes in it says john justice was on a stadia cast interview and he mentioned that more games may be announced before launch because they were awaiting final certification yeah. So you had to go through that. Okay. And then Nanobiologist also calls out that art the the email you and I both got, right? Since we're pre orders here. Read this before yeah. before playing games on Stadia. This got sent out to everybody, right? Uh, basically with a lot of the stuff you'd expect, right? You know, uh, use your ultra with an Ethernet cable. It's gonna be a big difference. Uh, if you're playing over a Wi Fi and your Wi Fi supports both two point four gigahertz and five gigahertz, use the five gigahertz. Make sure everything's on the same network. And then there was one that everybody's like flipping out about, but I don't think is that much of a surprise, right? For best performance, don't stream movies or music to other devices in other parts of the house while playing games on Stadia. It can th- slow things down. Yeah, that was that was the like the one I pulled when I got the email to you and, yeah. <laughs> and said like, oh, that's because I mean, it's it's also in the email. At, that's the one they finish on. Yeah, so it's like, oh, okay, that's yeah. the bad news for last. But I mean, also <laughs> makes like, sense. But also, I really like Disney Plus guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I pretty much have been playing Death Stranding and Jedi Fallen Order with Disney Plus on on my laptop. We've been watching. <laughs> Uh, uh, I've been watching uh, through Rebels, Star Wars Rebels. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I didn't have Disney XD or, or whatever. So uh, it's one that uh, I've always wanted to get into. I'm like three seasons through that. Nice. Obviously, Mandalorian. Yeah. I also am really enjoying, I think it's called The Imagineering Story. Yes, The Imagineers. Yeah, yeah The Documentary. Yeah, the Imagine- I, yeah. Love yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm loving that one as, uh, as a much more, I think, uh, uh, fervent Disneyland fan than yourself yeah. um, like that's definitely one I would definitely put in front of Tim as well oh yeah um, I knows. think he would oh, Tim knows okay. everything about yeah. Disney Plus don't worry about that yeah my pl- for this London trip obviously I'm loading up the Switch with games and whatever gonna do some Pokemon gonna finally start uh, Link's Awakening I also wanna get o- Obra Dinn on there mm. but uh, on top of that I'm gonna go I, somebody put up the nice thing on the subreddit of like here if you just wanna here's watch the, here's the some Clone, Clone Wars, Wars order. here's what to watch yeah. if you just you don't wanna watch it all I'm gonna yeah. download those episodes too I got you baby Bear Bear 
before it's happening. It's all the important ones and then the Watto episode, right? Hey, I need. <laughs> uh, and then Lord of Pwn has a you're wrong. The shift system was used to transfer your PS3 saves to PS4 yeah. and Vita in Borderlands 2. Yeah, That's and, a great point. And, uh, and, and they did, I think they did that with the Xbox 360 to Xbox yep, One 2. I remember, yeah, I remember doing that with the Handsome Collection. Yeah, exactly. So there is a precedent for it. They must have some kind of back end for it. However, making it communicate with everything else, who knows? Yeah. Uh, number three on the Roper Report. Yeah, that's right. Number three, 47 minutes in. Uh, did we just get the PlayStation 5 controller? Uh, there's a PlayStation. There's a new PlayStation controller being patented. This is Andy Robinson over at VideoGamesChronicle.com. Uh, Barrett, I put Kevin in there because I thought he'd be doing it. But I have a hyperlink at the top of this if you could put it in there to show the, the kids the patent. Uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment patent has revealed images of what could be the PlayStation 5's controller. The images, which were published on the Japanese patent office website today, are attributed to the PlayStation manufacturer and match a description of the PS5's prototype pad in a Wired article, in which Sony's next-gen controller is described to look an awful lot like the PS4's DualShock 4. The patent specifically highlights a microphone, but comparison images posted online show that there are many subtle design changes between the pictured controller and the DualShock 4. The controller pictured in the patent features larger triggers, slightly smaller sticks, a USB port, and no light bar. So we can see it here. You can see it all popped up there. DualShock 4 next to it on the back over there. Nothing too shocking. You know what I mean? Continue to iterate. No light bar I thought was interesting. Right? Yeah, it feels like, I mean, it's such a critical component of the PSVR. Exactly. And they've said that DualShock, yep. or the, the DualShock 5 and PS5 are going to be still And so that's my PSVR interesting thing. Before we go any further, I do want to point out, of course, take patents with a grain of salt. We've done, I've done podcasts beyond long enough to remember the Move controller <laughs> that's split into two things and never ever came to be. But, yeah, the light bar is an interesting one. My, I guess my argument for eliminating it here would be, sure, PlayStation VR going forward works with the PlayStation 5. So we're banking on you already having it and then not selling back your DualShock 4 light bar controller because you'd already want to come into that ecosystem. And then when we launch a PlayStation VR 2 for PlayStation 5, either we're doing away with those kind of games, uh, like Astrobot or whatever, or we're just going to use gyros on it, or we're going to package it with a special controller. I don't know. There's ways around it, but all of them are clunky. Yeah, I mean, they could definitely have tech in there that behaves like a light bar without being a light up yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah Like yeah. that is certainly an advancement that they could have made in the last few years. But I'm also looking at the, oh, I guess that the right hand side is the DualShock 4. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah. That's Because I, I was looking at that, I was like, well, like that I, looks it exactly looks the same. It looks like the light bar. <laughs> I'm really surprised that they still have this, uh, the, the pad or whatever. Yeah, the touchpad. Touch I was hoping that would go away. Yeah, because it's like, it's one pad. of those things where it was like a cool idea and I think it was presented like when they first announced it, it was like, oh, this is interesting. And then, you know, it turned into your new map button. The yeah. light bar and the and the touchpad are the traditional PlayStation things of we're gonna put something in this and guess what no one will ever use it the way we thought you're gonna yep. use it yeah people just want to fucking play video games but also at this point like the touchpad is in most games like a second options button or yeah. it's like hey yeah. the touchpad takes you to the map and the options takes you to the options yep totally but I mean yeah and that's why we'd get I guess you gotta keep the share button right but even on the on Stadia it's like oh I when I was playing I was like oh shit. This is now the touchpad. Or, you know what I mean? This little dot, dot, dot button is the yeah. touchpad. I got it. Cool. I digress. Whatever. We'll see what happens. Cool that Jedi Fallen Order, the light bar changes to my lightsaber color. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Borderlands 3, it changes to the color of your, uh, your like, Am, or your ammo type, your elemental type. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah. Didn't I mean, it did, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure it did in Last of Us, it changed too, with your health, I believe. Yeah. yeah, no, they're, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they, they use cool. it. What was, it's, uh, like that's one of the things that I always I'm I'm most like like just a small thing. I wonder 
what the like developers are thinking of like oh some it, somebody has to code that and figure yeah. out like oh if this then this mm. if you're in this condition your light bar is going to be this thing like somebody's doing that throughout yeah. that game it's <laughs> cool yeah a little touch thief did it cool where it would be i mean bad game but it was yeah. a cool thing of <laughs> If you were visible, it'd be bright white, mm. and then if you were hidden, it'd be dark. Uh. Also, it was cool that they they put all these cool things into it, and then somebody had to be like, "Fuck, nobody can see the light bar." Yeah. Shit, fuck! Put a slit yeah. in the top exactly, of the touchpad. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! I remember seeing that for the first time on my uh, on. my Spider-Man PS4 Pro, yeah. like the control that came with yeah, that. I was yeah. like, "Oh, that's new." Yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." Uh, number four. Oh, first off, Lord of Pwn says in the thing, the analog sticks aren't actually smaller in the patent for the DualShock Five. That's a year wrong that I can't see. He doesn't source. He just says, so take it with a grain of salt. Number four, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp is getting paid subscriptions. This is Hayden Taylor at GamesIndustry.biz. Nintendo has revealed plans to introduce a two-tier paid subscription model to Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. Released in October 2017, the mobile adaptation of one of Nintendo's flagship franchises has grossed around $111 million lifetime revenue. However, following the surprise implementation of the subscription model in Mario Kart World Tour, Nintendo has given the green light for a, a similar system in Pocket Camp. There is currently no information on the pricing and limited detail on features, but according to an in-game update, the two tiers will offer very different perks around admin and storage. Nintendo will reveal more details on Wednesday, November 21st, when it releases some new videos. Cool. Yeah. I stopped playing Pocket Camp a long time ago, so if you're in there and you want admin and storage perks, go for it. I know Joey Noel and, and Lauren uh, Beasley plays, cap, uh, co-captain of Extra Life. Like They would always go back and forth and yeah. try and get stuff from each other in Pocket Camp. I never hopped into it myself. I, I, it was fun. It was a good time waster at the time, but it's yep. like, cool, I want Animal Crossing. Yep. We're, it looked like we were close for a while, and then they kicked it to next year. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Barrett, I don't laugh at you when you, your heart gets broken by Batman all the time. Don't break my Animal Crossing heart, all right? I just want to bring you down It's just your me. heart's also broken. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> uh, Trevor Starkey, I can't wait to see what these videos about storage and admin and pocket camp are going to be. But the, you know, November 21st is still so far away. If I wanted something more immediate, say what came to the mom and grop shops, where would I go? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. He actually yeah. memorized it. Yeah, well, I don't know, it's good. Uh, before we do that, let me tell you about the sponsors because this is a long show. We're going to start with Third Love. Nearly all the kind of honeys are using Third Love bras, and it's time to find out why. Number one, perfect fit. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. Number two, more sizes than most other brands. Third Love offers more than 80 sizes including their signature half cup sizes number three convenience you can skip the trip find your fit with third love's online fit finder order and try on at home no more awkward fitting room experiences every customer has six days to wear it wash it and put it to the test and if you don't love it return it and third love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need third love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find the perfect fit fit stylists are available every day to help via text chat or phone uh, returns and exchanges are also free and easy. Uh, you get that comfort and quality. Hands down, the most comfortable bra you'll own. Straps that won't slip and tagless labels so there's no itching. Uh, Third Love donates all their gently used and returned bras to women in need, supporting charities in their in the local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. So far, Third Love has donated over $15 million in bras. Uh, Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash games, find your perfect fitting bra, and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash games for 15% off today. 
The next monster is Quip. I love brushing my teeth, Quip, because they taught me how to do it right, because I was doing it wrong. I'm a dum-dum. Quip! Makers of the uh, Quip Electric Toothbrush wants you to know the one single discovery that matters most to your dental care. It is simply this, that if you have good habits, you are good. <laughs> that means brushing for two minutes twice a day and flossing regularly, no matter what brand you use. Quip makes that simple, starting with an electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and anti-cavity toothpaste. Uh, Quip's electric toothbrush has sensitive sonic vibrations with a two-minute timer and 30-second pulses to guide for a full and even clean. The Quip floss dispenser comes with pre-marked string to help you use just enough. Plus, Quip delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills to your door every three months with free shipping, so your routine is always right. Join over 3 million healthy mouths and get Quip today, starting at $25. And if you go to getquip.com games right now, you'll get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash games. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash game. Quip, the good habits company. Mine, uh, my, my refill pack showed up right before I came out here. So Perfect. I've got it uh, back at the hotel. Yeah, I got, I, me and Jen got our refill pack last week, and I got to get it loaded before we take off for London. Because it's so easy with the travel cover. You toss it in. I digress. Final sponsor of the day is Upstart. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy. Getting out is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off the high interest credit card debt. Of course, you've heard me talk about it before. I came to San Francisco. I got a loan. That interest rate sucked. This would have been helpful. Because, of course, Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter interest rate. Upstart believes you're more than just a credit score. They believe in you and they understand that. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate in just a few minutes. And the best part, once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 300,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards and meet their financial goals. Free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot. And hurry to upstart.com slash kfgames to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes and it won't affect your credit. That's upstart.com slash kfgames. Games, games. Just one games, though. That was an echo. But now you don't have to write games, games, games. Out today! Railroad Corporation on PC, Blue Kid 2 on Switch, Santa Tracker on PC, Dino Drifters on PC, Oil Mogul on PC, Paul's World on PC, Space Shapes on PC. Enjoy, PC players. Dorks. So okay. I'm coming here on a Monday. Yep, it's going to be a PC. Day. You're going to get some Paul, Paul's World. Can't wait to see what that's all about. Uh, new dates for you. Kerbal Space Program Breaking, Ga- Breaking Ground, which is an expansion, comes to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on the 12th. Uh, no, that's right. Damn, I, I I went European for a second. You did. Damn, weird. you're getting you're getting all ready for December your oi governor. 5th, I'm ready. Oi governor, coming on the fifth of December, ain't we? Oh, Santa Tracker. Uh, next for you, Nintendo Switch Lite flip cover and screen protector accessories are a great way to help keep your new Nintendo Switch Lite screen in great condition while gaming on the go. Each Nintendo Switch Lite flip cover and screen protector set includes a flip cover for the Nintendo Switch Lite system and a protective sheet for the LCD screen. The Nintendo Switch Lite flip cover and screen protector will be available to purchase exclusively online beginning December 8th at a suggested retail price of $39.99. The set will hit stores in early 2020. Then, Spin Tires Chernobyl is going to be available for PC, on Steam, and other digital distribution platforms December 13th. Trevor, yeah, we've been great about peppering in the reader mail, but I still got some more for you. All right, so let's, I'm going to find you a good one here. All right, because of course you can write into Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, be part of the show. Like, oh, 
so many people have. We're going to start with a friend of the show. You hear him all the time on here, Frank Furter. Frank Furter says, good morning, Greg and Trevor. Good morning. Over the weekend, Ayumi Ito, the voice actress for Tifa in the upcoming Final Fantasy VII remake, pressed charges against a man, and I believe a woman as well, for making threats to her because they didn't like her. I know kind of funny promotes and preaches be nicer to one another, but what if people don't? Should famous people and individuals alike be pressing charges against these people who say they want to kill or harm you just because they don't like you? Or should we just let the norm of... Just let the norm be the norm and ignore it and then move on and continue. Frank Furter. So, uh, yeah, summary. Uh, voice actress gets these hate tweets, pretty much hate messages, right? Of like, I fucking hate her. I'm going to kill her. I'm going to stab her in the back of the head. Yeah. That, that's like the specificity of the messages, I think, is, is what like elevates this past like, oh, bad tweet mm-hmm. internet death threats. Um, I, I pulled it up, the Kotaku article on this. Um, the, the gentleman who uh, kind of uh, was, was charged uh, threatened... Uh, she makes me want to stab her in the eyes and gouge them out with a knife. Uh, and then the the woman who made the threat uh, similar, I hate her so much, I want to kill her. I'm going to stab her in the back of her hand with all my might. So, like, the, the specificity of there, I think, is what elevates this to a more credible threat, maybe? Yeah. Um, even there, like, I, I think you're going to see a lot of times in these situations, you're going to have, like, they can, they can report the... the um, report it to the police, and then the police have to kind of say, "Is this credible or not?" Sure. You know, what's the likelihood that this person's actually going to come and stab you in the hand with yeah, all yeah. of his might or all of her might? Um, but I'm I'm also not opposed to people like putting this out there and and basically saying, "Be better." Like, yeah. hey, you you can't just get away with this. You should not just get away with this kind of like language or or threats or any of this kind of stuff. So if people want to start saying, "Hey," This is a threat to my life. I feel concerned for my safety. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and and you know pursue the full extent of the law against you. 100%. I, yeah. Hopefully that passes the message along to the millions of other people that are out there doing it on Twitter thinking it's anonymous and stuff. And, I'm 100%. And they don't get behind, like, they just cut it out. 100% behind her doing this. Fucking throw the book at him. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't be able to act like an asshole all the time online. This isn't a freedom of speech thing saying you want to kill somebody, you want to stab him in the hand or yeah. the head or whatever. Like, no. You're going to act like an asshole. You're going to get called out for being an asshole. You're going to get in trouble. And that's the thing of, like, you, you hope that by reporting this, it would have a chilling effect on people doing this, right? Like, it's the reason that Fortnite banned that 17-year-old. Like, guess what? He's banned. Yep. We're not backing down because you can't do this because we, we don't want this in, our, in, our, in our, uh, our game, our ecosystem, right? Like, yeah, fuck yeah. Get him. Yeah. No, don't sit there and be like, well, we're going to ignore it. Like, no, that's, that's not cool. Henry from Sydney writes into Patreon.com slash games and says, hey, Greg and Trevor. Like so many, I've been playing and enjoying Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order all weekend long, but it's left me with one question. Is the game actually good? The combat is fun enough, and all the Star Wars parts are great, but if this were just a generic new IP, would we be nearly as forgiving of the technical bugs, design choices, and downright bad platforming slash traversal mechanics? Do you think it's even possible to objectively judge a game that's relying so heavily on nostalgia and built-in fandom? Would love to hear your thoughts. Keep fucking that chicken. Henry from Sydney. I haven't heard keep fucking that chicken in a while. It doesn't come up often. Yeah. Um, I, this is the, the question I was alluding to earlier when I, I mentioned my, uh, my distaste for uh, Breath of the Wild because I very much felt the same kind of way with Breath of the Wild. If that was a new IP, original IP, sure. I don't think it would have got nearly the love and attention that it got. Um, I, like, ultimately, I think the game's fine, but, uh, but like, I think it's, it's bolstered by it's the legacy yeah. of Zelda behind it and, and the fact that it was doing something different for a Zelda game. Um, but no, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's possible to pull that out of this. Um, you know, anybody who's reviewing this 
knows like it, it you'd be very hard pressed i think to find a non-star wars knowing person yeah. to come in and review this game um and if you did like that's a perspective that you can go in and seek out like oh i've never played star wars but i'm gonna play or i've never i've never watched star wars but sure. i'm gonna play star wars Fallen even Order. the amount of people are coming out that i never enjoyed star wars right, right? Yeah. yeah yeah um so i mean in the same way like i don't i don't think you could pull it'd be interesting to look at this as like uh, or I think, and one of the things we saw with this, because of the IP of Star Wars, I think a lot of people are getting exposed to the Soulsborne type of yep. games that uh, that they wouldn't have, you know, necessarily gravitated to before that. Yeah. So I think all of that plays a role in how the games are perceived and and uh, and expected. And I think you guys do a good job in uh, in your review talking about, hey, there are a lot of issues with this game, but like it nails Star Wars really, really well. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I think that's that's kind of the perspective. I think I've I've seen a lot of. I think it's a good game. Yeah. I think if you remove Star Wars from it, if it was a generic IP, it wouldn't get the acclaim. It would be a much sm- slower burn to get get it out there for people. But I still think I'm not. I mean, I'm playing it because I mean, I'm not the big of a Star Wars fan, right? Like I like Star Wars, period. But I'm not like Tim or anybody else. So, right. so like, for me, the and I we talk about it in the review, right? No spoilers. But I appreciate that they didn't do the Battlefront 2 route, right? It's not shoehorning in characters that right. don't, like, you know what I mean? It is, if you were to remove Star Wars from it, it would just be a cool space opera that I'm in and I'm jumping around platforming and using a sword. Like, that would still be fun to play. I would, st- like, right now as I'm going through and trying to platinum it, I'm not there because, man, I'm existing in Star Wars. I'm there because combat's really fun and I enjoy exploring and I'm in this one thing and I need 3%. Where is the one secret I'm looking for? Like, that's cool. Yeah, I think I think the gameplay loop of it is good enough that it's, take star wars out of this and it's a it's still a fun enjoyable gameplay yeah um uh i think it could have been i mean based on my early uh, impressions i'm only on the second or third planet at this point um but i feel like it could have been uh cooked a little bit longer um yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, oh, yeah, I, yeah with yeah. all the bugs that, that people are seeing and stuff um but again you want to try like the company is gonna and we see this increasingly uh these days where you get it out to get it out, and we'll fix we'll patch a lot of that other we'll stuff patch, in patch, post. Patch, yeah, and, yeah. and there's enough of this that can be fixed that's going to make it totally. a better and better game. When you play that game, what, in a month and a half, you yeah. assume, like, yeah, it won't be that way in terms of the weird loads that I'm having Kashyyyk right now as I run around. Yeah. I'm like, why is this happening in the middle of nowhere? All the people who are going to get this game for Christmas are going to love it. Yeah. yeah. Barrett, you got anything to say? I know you're a big Star Wars kid. I know you like that. It's joke. fucking rad. I, I, think, I agree with you where I think it's just barely Star Wars and in, in uh, the consideration of what its story is like I think those are still great characters and stories that if they were existing outside of the Star Wars like universe I think it would still stand up on like as a story on its own uh, the gameplay is great I do agree the the bugs oof. but I also think that <clears throat> they're probably pressured to put this game out uh, by EA or Disney in the same quarter as a major movie released and a yeah, TV definitely. show and release. Mandalorian and yeah. all that yeah, yeah. That's a, you, <clears throat> it's a I, I would not be surprised if they wanted to put this game out next year, um, but also next year is uh, oof, it's a it's a busy time next they year. Def- it was a, it was a great idea to do here. You yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. yeah I, again, like to my comments on Friday of like. I mean, I, oh man, it's been kind of an interesting week. If this one, like, it's not a week. What about X, Y, and Z? And then this game comes up semi-broken, and we're like, game of the yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, if, I, if this went up against Cyberpunk or anything, we would no not way. be talking about this game as much. We'd be like, what a have. fun action game. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think the game needed that much more time to cook. So mm-hmm. like pushing it to Q1 of next year, like EA does that all the time. They did that all the time with with um, uh, like the Bioware games and, and whatnot. Right. Like that's the end of their fiscal year. So if they really need to get it in. By the end of the year, that's their move. Yeah, right. Um, but they really wanted to get it out now, and they could get it out now without having to sure. like wait until Star Wars Episode Nine is out there. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, it's time to squad up. This is where one of you writes into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. Give me your name, username, platform of choice, why you need help in a video game. I read it here. The best friends come and find you. Everybody plays games together. Today we're doing something different. I usually don't do Twitch reads, right? Because it's just that. But instead, this is a very special young man. This is Greg Atlas. Whoa! You might not know Greg Atlas, but you know Greg Atlas. Of course, the first in line for any kind of funny event. Uh, he was first in line for every up at noon. He came on up at noon. Uh, he did the quiet cosplay. Yep. You've seen Greg Atlas around. Greg oh, Atlas. The Naruto. Exactly. Die hard, kind of funny best friend. He's trying to stream more and more. Uh, I'm urging you tonight, Monday night, 8 p.m. Pacific time, go to twitch.tv slash Sandman420XL. Sandman420XL. Send Greg Atlas some of that sweet, nasty, kind of funny love. Uh, time for your wrong. Of course, you can write in if you're watching live on Twitch. If you're watching live, twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. You can write in to your wrong, which is kind of funny.com slash your wrong, which then will influence the decisions we do on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. Basically, you tell us what we screwed up as we screwed it up. All right. Uh, we did a good job. Nanobiologist. No, no, we, we peppered him in. We did really good. Okay. Uh, however, uh, Darth Wacker writes in and says, Kinda Honeys was a name adopted by the female fans of Kinda Honey. Kind of honey. Or, I'm sorry. Kind of honeys was a name adopted by the female fans of Kind of Funny. Your ad read claims that more than half of them use the bra. Hopefully, you don't actually have this information <laughs> and are just stealing the name and using it for your significant others. Which, out of uh, Joey, Gia, Jen, Paula, Barrett's fiance, and D, I doubt more than half use. Please provide facts and proof, motherfucker. We've talked about it before that they do. All right, calm down. I, well, and I think, also, yeah, we're I think not he's going more off of like any kind of honey in the community. Do you know that that half of them are? are well, no, because yeah, hopefully you don't yeah. actually have this information about the community yeah. and are just stealing the name and using it for your significant others, which are, which out of Joey, Gia, Jen, Paula, Barrett's fiance, and D, I doubt more than half use. Please provide facts and proof. Calm down, everybody. And also, I don't, and I, I think, and unless you are Darth, Darth Wacker, if you are one of the female founders of the name of Kinda, I really doubt that any of the, the first run of Kinda Honeys are offended that we're calling our, our, our significant others Kinda Honeys. And we also sell a shirt Kinda Honey. So, like, calm down. Everybody calm I, I, down. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote one Anthony Carboni. Be cool, chat. Be cool, chat. Be cool, chat. Yeah, be cool. All right. Be cool, everybody. And then uh, Lord of Pwn uh, says, uh, Go Freak on Reset Era posted comparison images of the DualShock 4 and DualShock 5 patents. From those images, you can see the analog sticks are the same size. I personally checked the sizes between the patents to confirm. Thank you, Lord of Pwn. Great. As always. I'll throw one out there that I thought Nanomyologist was going to get me on because uh, I heard it when you were going through the IGN rundown of the things mm -hmm. that aren't in... Uh, in uh, 4K. Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. I said 4K, and, and you pointed out that, no, it does have 4K on TVs, just not on the browser yet. Yeah. That's this episode. Kind of funny games daily. Let's run you through the rest of the week. Tomorrow will be me and Imran. Wednesday, it'll be me and Gary Witta. Thursday, it'll be me and Imran. Then Friday, Imran and Fran, because myself, Tim, and Nick are all going to London. Remember, you can go to at TheIndieBoy1 or at MCFixer on Twitter to find out about all the community events surrounding our World Tour meet and greet. We're very excited to come hang out with all of you. Uh, Trevor? Where can people keep up with you? Uh, you can keep up with me at Trevor J. Starkey on Twitter. Uh, formerly Snarky Starkey, but I got rid of that a few months back. Um, and then you can keep up with everything we're doing at That Nerdy Site at That Nerdy Site uh, or ThatNerdySite.com or Patreon.com slash That Nerdy Site. There you go. Thank you so much. You Thank did a great you. job, buddy. Thanks for having me. And congratulations again on That Nerdy Site. I'm very proud of all of you. Thank you. I'm, I'm very excited to see where we go with it. Me too. <laughs> Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, it's been our pleasure to serve you.